Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast where two licensed professional counselors and approved EMDR consultants discuss the latest research and resources for trauma treatment and EMDR therapy. Welcome back to Notice That, an EMDR podcast. All three of us are here today to talk about a very specific topic, which might have the illustrious position as the most confusing thing (laughs) in EMDR, Mm. which is state change versus trait change. Great intro. (laughs) Very enticing. (laughs) Well, it's true. I feel like... I get confused about this all the time, and mm-hmm. I really wish that the, the words didn't rhyme, because I feel like that would be helpful. State um, trait. Exactly. And so we're going to go through a very, very uh, succinct, but then elaborate definition of exactly what does that mean, and how do we utilize it in therapy. But before we get to that, we would like to invite you guys to join our online community through Patreon. Mm-hmm. Because we are having so much fun interacting with listeners there and getting an opportunity to answer questions more directly and have consultation calls with our VVIPs mm-hmm. um, and all kinds of fun stuff. And, you know, we're always dreaming about what kind of resources can we make available to you guys on there. Um, so check that out at patreon.com slash beyond healing center. Yeah. Um, And you can pick, you know, several different tiers depending on your budget and what feels like would be supportive to you. But a fun fact is that everybody gets a sticker. Everybody gets a sticker. Which is important. It is. And it's a nice (laughs) sticker that can be put on to vehicles and Mm -hmm. it's all going to be okay. Indoor, outdoor. Indoor, outdoor. They are. They are indoor, outdoor stickers. Mine has been on my car since the beginning of Notice That and is still perfect. Wow. So I know. I feel good about that. Some of the other resources. um, And I just got to have a a Patreon call, consultation call. Mm -hmm. So for our VVIPs, the $20 range, uh, you get access to once a month. (laughs) Yeah, basically. But once a month, uh, hour of uh, group consultation where we just kind of get mixed into the pot together and decide what we want to talk about together. Um, I just had one last night with um, some really wonderful questions and Mm -hmm. uh, a great space that just created itself uh, on Zoom, Mm -hmm. which is so cool to see. Um, To see the faces. Oh, it's so cool. Yes, Yes. so cool. Sometimes I wonder what it's like for listeners to get to see what we actually look like. Yeah. Because I know when I listen to podcasts, I always imagine what the people look like. And I'm always terribly wrong. Terribly wrong. Yeah. But, you know, getting to actually see them live and in person and talk and Mm. then, you know, have the face to the voice is kind of fun. Mm. That's one of our goals with Patreon. Yes. We continue to increase the the funding that we get there to continue to invest in our Mm -hmm. audio and video. That's right. So we can be posting like streams of video content. So that you can see... What is it, the Mel, you said? The gesticulation? Yes, yes. our, our uh, robust gesticulation because we're hand talkers. Yes, and we get, oh, the spine changes a lot. That's true. In the, in There's a, a lot communicated throughout. through bodies. Yeah. So. Some of the other resources on there are recorded sessions. Yeah, full um, recordings for, of sessions. Yes, yeah. full recordings of sessions. So for those of the listeners that... I just want to see what this would look like or sound like or feel Mm -hmm. like in a space. There's Mm -hmm. such incredible content on there. And not just like a single session, but a series um, where it's eight hours, 10 hours, 15 hours Mm -hmm. with a client that get broken down over individual sessions. Yeah. Yeah. So join us on Patreon. Come hang out with us. Patreon.com slash Beyond Healing Center. And you can have a look at what we offer there. So without any further ado into the confusing topic 
of state versus trade change. Yeah. So where do we want to begin? Well, I with think this? I'm curious what you mean by your confusion. Because mm-hmm. could, could you just like speak to that of how it shows up in you of like, I don't know, sometimes I struggle with the difference or what goes into them. So for me, it's entirely about the label. It's mm. entirely about trying to get my brain to say the right word. Mm. Yeah. Um, like I understand the concept, yes, but when it to- actually totally pops out of my it. mouth, I second guess it every time. Did yeah, I say the right one? exactly. Mm. Exactly. It's like I have to double check. And then, you know, I feel like in the articulation of it, particularly to clients, because it's a concept that we talk to clients about yeah. and really want them to understand what we mean and so you know oftentimes i kind of find myself struggling in the space of am i saying this right is this making any sense and so Mm. um i know that if i'm dealing with that then other people probably are too and it's a really common question on consultation as well Mm. i have a new kind of confusion after our last episode though (laughs) thank you bridger i thought i understood it and now my brain is trying to assimilate (laughs) no no it's helpful i love it it's it's good it's good i'm trying to assimilate that information could you refresh from mm. last so could you speak to what you what, what you would have said before and then the confusion moment because i think that could set up a really cool conversation for this this episode i'm not sure what you just asked me but i'm gonna okay so uh what i was gonna say before is the can i have new information i'm trying to assimilate into my mind and determine what a state change trait change mean in an emdr context and then mm. what you brought up on the last episode was is what it means story versus state mm-hmm. in polyvagal theory yeah. and the comparison of the two i think i could get my brain to a place of of, un, of linking them together and making sense of it okay but i haven't taken the time to do that yet so okay. maybe that's what will well that's what i was here. asking that was the question i just yes. asked was could you describe to the listeners and to me uh just in the space of what you would have understood and and talked yes. about before yes. i threw in a new wrench yeah, to the yeah. gears. And then maybe we can talk about the ways that that challenged what you previously thought and mm-hmm. then use that to now say with our full understanding of together, Love it. here's how we understand That's it now. That's the process I want to go through in my own head. Then let's mm-hmm. do it. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Intersubjective. Okay. Here it goes. There we go. So as a refresher of what most of us are taught in EMDR yeah. initial training as far as state change versus trait change. Thing number one that's important is defining both. Yep. Thing number two that's important is why is it relevant to what we do in EMDR? Mm-hmm. So starting with definitions. Yes. Who and wants I need to go for it? Not me. Jen. I <laughs> have too much neurobiology to understand okay, discreetly yeah. to EMDR what Francine Shapiro would say yes. is state versus what is trait. Mm-hmm. So state change being um, shifting or changing the current state of being. Right. So if we're currently in a state of um, feeling anxious, feeling depressed, feeling self-conscious, like whatever that current state is, shifting that in some way with resourcing, oftentimes mm-hmm. it's how do we bring in a tool, a technique, a resource to shift that from I'm anxious to now I'm neutral or calm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trait change being the longer lasting shifts in perspective, perception, um, personality. Yes the bigger shifts of the traits of us as a human and that comes from doing those deeper doing the deeper dives into our past experiences and reprocessing the way those experiences are stored in our system mm-hmm. one of the sorry well i was just going to say one of the ways that when i'm kind of checking myself and making sure that i'm using the right words when i'm describing this to client is actually the phrase personality trait mm-hmm. mm. we don't say personality state that doesn't make sense 
um, and we understand personality as what is consistent over time in many situations. If you mm. think about the definition of what makes something a personality disorder versus just someone that struggles with anxiety, so to speak, um, the difference is, is that that manifestation shows up across time in multiple situations in a variety of different scenarios. It's mm. very consistent in their personality as the way that they show up. And that is a trait yeah. um, versus a state, which is uh, one of the ways that I think about state is sort of the, the state of the weather. Weather mm. changes. Mm. It comes and it goes. It can be stormy one minute and then the sky clears and I feel totally different. And so state is much more the current weather not necessarily the climate the of a place. internal yes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so i would parallel these with our understanding of top down versus bottom up that the oh, this is going to get even more hairy okay, okay. go for Let's it get real hairy <laughs> yeah because all right that the the way in which we approach state change is typically more from a top down approach mm -hmm. the way in which we would access or approach trait change has to be from the bottom up approach yes. yeah what's happening for you over there just, just big breaths yeah just lots of challenging um language distinctions between neurobiology and what emdr has classified which um, is really interesting as practitioners and clinicians that really seek to bridge the two. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which, mm -hmm. so to me, uh, well, okay, sorry, I have one more question on what EMDR classically would define. What do you, what is the goal with mm. those understandings, those definitions of the terms in classic EMDR theory? The goal for therapy, mm -hmm. state change versus trait change. So the goal of state change is, there's several of them. Mm -hmm. Number one the ability to change state reliably mm -hmm. is seen as a measurement of how well resourced a client is and our therapeutic dynamic is, mm -hmm. which is one of the factors that we evaluate when we're looking at, are we ready to move into later phases of EMDR? Yeah. So initially establishing the ability to change state reliably is how we make sure that we can keep the client within the window of tolerance. It is also a great method of establishing rapport with a client of experiencing a state change of, you know, they come in and they're feeling anxious or feeling activated, et cetera. And through whatever we're doing in the session, they experience a true felt sense shift in their nervous system. And so they associate being with us, being uh, in our space and um, bilateral stimulation, if that's what we used with a felt sense of, I was feeling bad and now I'm feeling better. Mm. And that is really, really supportive to the long-term work of EMDR yeah. so that there's that positive association. Yeah. State change is also um, a, a way of increasing somebody's tolerance yeah, for difficult tolerance. affect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if they have a reliable state change experience and utilizing tools to create that change, then they know, oh, okay, I can visit harder material and trust that we have the tools to regulate. Mm -hmm. If we're not getting reliable state change, then they're going to have a hard time accessing that harder material because they will be afraid that I can't come back from that. Yeah. So state change serves multiple functions. Also, it serves a function of if we get into harder material during reprocessing and we need to change state because we are out of the window of tolerance, we have to have those tools in order to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's multifunctional. Yeah. And so the goal in therapy being starting in that place to some degree of focusing on state change just enough 
but the ultimate goal is to really start to adapt and shift the traits. Mm -hmm. Um, so to get into those really critical life experiences that have shaped a trait that's now no longer helpful Mm. or desired by the individual Mm -hmm. um, and to reprocess those experiences for that long-term trait change. So kind of state change being short-term and trait change being more Mm long-term. Okay. Mm -hmm. Lay it on us, Bridger. So many ideas and thoughts. Um, Well, one of, so to me, one of the reasons I wanted us to be so clear on what is your understanding being the two of you of what classic emdr theory would say as you train it because to me i'm not a purist to any theory at all Mm -hmm. so the language is the most important thing to me and my associative um awareness of what state and trait are gets filtered through all of my theory in my Mm -hmm. brain Mm -hmm. um and then what comes out on the other side is how i understand it so to me i come from a very uh, psychoanalytic dynamic background in my theory and the way I understand it is through symptomological versus characterological change. Mm-hmm. Symptom being what it sounds like you guys are describing in state, state change yes. and characterological being what you describe as trait change. Correct. Okay, so to me the the difficulty comes when we start talking about what creates states. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and is that a result of traits yes right so that's where to me the friction hits so here here's a a mental picture that i have and we Mm -hmm. can kind of talk together if we feel like it's accurate and or useful if we're thinking about neuroanatomy and i love thinking about neuroanatomy me too i think about it all the time go for it (laughs) so neuroanatomically Mm -hmm. we know that we have gajillions literally of neurons hanging out in there, right? Mm-hmm. Throughout the entirety of our nervous system, we have cells that are wiring together through the passage of electricity and myelination and all of these processes. Traits, to me, are symbolized in my mind by the way the neurons are wired together, the way that things are connected in there structurally, right? The, to, to use an analogy, these are the roads through the city, mm-hmm. right? To change a trait, we would have to build a new road. We have to change the structure in some way. Mm. State, to me, is how is the electricity currently flowing through the neurons and the way they're connected? Mm. What is currently happening So it's on the traffic? The it's the traffic. And so if I want a state change, I just have to change traffic patterns. Divert traffic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to take this road instead of that road. We're still getting mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. We're changing the traffic patterns. But to get characterological, long-lasting change, I'm going to have to build a whole new highway because mm-hmm. we're going somewhere else. Yeah. We're experiencing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're experiencing this in a whole different way. And so if we think about what does it take to build a whole new highway versus divert traffic to a road that already exists? Yeah. Well, that's really different. Yeah. yeah. So for those that uh, didn't listen to the last episode, I want you to kind of give a brief uh, remembering of what it was that I said that challenged your understanding of that. Well, just bringing in the PVT language yeah. of... Story follows state. Yes. And so state 
which I still think, I think the concepts are sound and the same. It's the language that's paired with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to make sense of in my head and get, are we actually talking about two different things or are we talking about the same thing with different words? To me, it feels like the same thing. It it does to me so far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm gauging your reaction to that. Well, I think that's why I phrased it in where do states come from? Um, Because to me, PVT talks about story follows state Mm -hmm. and story is our current understanding of where uh, our affect comes from and how we explain our affectivity our current the present moment affectivity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah or even what's possible like how i normally am i'm an anxious person that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean necessarily i'm anxious now but Mm -hmm. that's how i normally feel Mm -hmm. is the story uh the state then in classic pvt theory uh follows uh the state the story follows the state Mm -hmm. And in that way, the state is then the activation, the current activation that's in the system. And the story is then going to be augmented by that state, that level of activation. To me, looking at state versus trait change, what uh, PBT says is that we need to befriend the nervous system and start to uh, understand what it is detecting as threat versus safety and then move into a space of uh, helping it better uh, separate what is threat, what is not threat, and actually start to then change the autonomic states, which is the deepest level change in PVT, mm-hmm. which is what trait would be in EMDR language. We're changing the organization of the system in a way that now produces different states. Okay, I want to tell you where my brain's going and I want to check it with you yeah. um, because of your experience with neurobiology. But in my mind, what it's saying now is that it's story follows state repetitively that it's creates story trait. State. Mm-hmm. Yes. That that is what, and, and so we're still using the same language of trait, train, state change. I just did that double check. Yep. <laughs> yep. right. But it's that repetitive pattern over and over and over a story follows state follows story that creates the trait. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So when we're still talking about addressing state, it's still the same state that we're mm-hmm. talking about in PBT, mm-hmm. but it's the repetition of that that creates trait. So when we're doing trait change, we are changing the way in which story follows state so follows story. Yeah. Right. So maybe the way that we can blend it is story slash state versus trait change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not, yeah. Cause I agree with you in that it is the state, um, what we would call the state that is showing up on the current skin of yes. the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas PVT sees that coming from much deeper in the body mm-hmm. than just... Because it does. It does, I absolutely. think EMDR sees it that way too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like every, every presentation, every symptom we say is a result of an unprocessed yeah. or right. maladaptively stored past mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think EMDR is still acknowledging that the present state is a result of the past Agreed. and mm-hmm. goes deep. Agreed. But there's still techniques and strategies to shift that temporarily. While fully acknowledging that it is not going to result in a more systemic, generalized shift in the way that they usually show up. So... Going back to my analogy, I, to me, the story is something totally other than what is happening affectively in the organism. And I think that story is actually one of the ways that we do state change. Like we attempt to influence our own state yeah. with the stories that we tell. And so, you know, it's like the, the helicopter over the traffic, which is monitoring the traffic patterns and saying, you know, go this way, don't go that way. Or, mm. you know, just reporting on what's happening down there. Right. And trying to make sense of it. But it's not actually the same thing. It is hovering above. Our neocortex is always making sense of telling stories about and meaning. Yeah. 
um, of the affect state that it is observing in the rest of our organism. And so story is actually one of the methods that we use in EMDR and in other modalities to create state change. And that's what Jen was saying about the top down. That's what I want to talk about next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So story to influence state is a top down approach to affect state change. But we would understand that as not very effective to say, create good luck trait change. Yes. Yeah. Our our you know telling yourself a different story about what's happening. Cognitive reframing, so to Whack-a-mole. speak. <laughs> I give you relief for seconds. Yes, yeah. In a I, very specific context. That's right. But it's useful. Yeah. F- as long as we are clear. A mallet can hit a mole. That's let right. Me tell you. As long as we're <laughs> as long as we're clear about what we're actually doing and what we're not doing. Yes. And we want to let our clients know that we don't want to stop at state change. Yes. We want to pursue trait change. But being able to manage state um, even through story, even through those top-down approaches, can be really effective for specific goals. And so we want to articulate that to our client and be in collaboration about what we're doing and what we're not doing and how we're going to use that as a management strategy temporarily while we work on the deeper-downer trait change, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which happens from a bottom-up approach. Yeah, Jen, what's mm-hmm. happening for you? <laughs> you got the this giggles really every day. Funny. <laughs> this is really funny. The whack-a-mole. Uh-huh. Well, to me, because... I don't know. And I don't mean to, yeah, I don't know. I just won't say it. So (laughs) it doesn't matter. Um, In that, though, I like where we're at with the story slash state versus Mm -hmm. trait change. Yeah. Um, Because I think to view them as separate is what really the beef is with me. Yeah. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's we take away, accurate. no, it's not yeah. neurobiologically accurate to say state change is more temporary. Mm-hmm. The state is an internalized representation of the nervous system, which mm-hmm. is predicated on the entire lived mm-hmm. experience of the organism. Mm-hmm. Yes. So to just mm-hmm. say that we're going to come in and just change a little bit here and there to give you a different regulatory function. Great. What's that used for outside of the context that we're pairing it with? Well, and that's what I'm saying as far as when we teach our clients that, as long as we also tell them what that tool is for and what it's not Not for. for. Yeah. And it's mostly not for things. Yeah. I mean, what it offers is a tool for them to take with them Mm -hmm. to apply as needed in those moments. We take Complace, for an example. Mm -hmm. It's very effective and helpful, not at clearing out deeper networks, but at giving them a resource that says, this is how I can shift from being a little anxious into feeling more calm and neutral. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a strategy I've got now to like carry with me throughout my day. Right. Yeah. Right. One of the questions, and I don't know where else you wanted to go with this episode today, but one of the questions I had it, uh, is just for us to reflect on what is it like to intersubjectively introduce state change versus trait change uh, kind of organization to what's possible yeah. in our session together. Usually clients are relieved. Yeah. To me, uh, I, I find such... Um, such context yeah. in it. I, I think it creates a really useful framework of understanding for them of feeling the different phases of work that we go through mm. when we're attempting to, you know, do what a lot of clients perceive as the impossible, mm. which is change the way that they understand themselves in the world and everything that they experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I share with a client what I believe is really possible through therapy and specifically through nervous system informed EMDR therapy, most of them raise their eyebrows at me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, personally, I use a lot of self-disclosure in that space to share with them that it seemed 
ridiculous to imagine that I could ever not feel anxious about certain things in my life. And mm. yet I sit there in front of them with a totally different lived experience of that. And because of the, the felt sense of this is how it used to feel and this is how it feels now on a day-to-day routine regular basis and it requires no energetic management from me Hmm. i wake up feeling that way Mm -hmm. i go to sleep feeling that way and unless there is something significant going on my baseline feeling is totally different than the baseline Mm -hmm. feeling of the past Mm -hmm. Um, my internal set point in terms of anxiety, depression, et cetera, is totally different than what it was previous to my own work. And when we're sharing that with a client, it's, you know, exciting to them, it's relieving to them, but they also have a hard time imagining because once, you know, if you've never felt that, how mm-hmm. do you know how that's going to feel? Yeah. How do you make sense yeah. of that? Yeah. And so I feel like the the articulation of state change versus trait change is one of the ways that we kind of help them at least cognitively wrap their minds around what we mean when we say that. They can't have the felt sense of it until they get the felt sense of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning, as a, a introduction and an invitation into the work, I find that conversation really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, like practically, the way I, I start in introducing these concepts is when I first meet them and I say, okay, the kind of work that we're going to do together, part of it, we're going to address um, your symptoms from the front door, and the mm. other part, we're going to come in at the back door, and mm. we're going to come in with both approaches. And this is starting the imagery of like top down, bottom up. Mm-hmm. So front door is we're going to give you tools to build your toolbox that help you with the current discomfort that you're in. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to say, where do those come from? Mm-hmm. Where does that originate? And what are the significant life experiences that contribute to that? And a lot of our focus is going to be there as well. And you're going to feel a shift back and forth in between those two spaces Mm -hmm. and then that gives me context in session with them to say hey today i want to teach you something from the front door let's give you some Mm -hmm. strategy Mm -hmm. and then on other times you know today we're going to shift over and focus on one of the deeper roots of this issue Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. so one of the places that i wanted to go with this episode because it's kind of the the big question Mm. how do we do trait change i love Mm -hmm. that question Mm -hmm. What what do we find, besides EMDR reprocessing, because, yes, um, in that what, space... Put, put a little more to that, because some of the listeners may, may not you know. Mean that, that was a little too flippant, is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. So uh-huh. one way is one EMDR way. reprocessing. Yes. So yes. from the back door, mm-hmm. identifying what are the deepest roots of this presentation right. and what memories represent that. And then how do we reprocess that? Right. And through enough of those reprocessing um, tar- targets that we reprocess, we're going to see a shift over mm-hmm. um, into trait change. Yeah. And, w- you know, to use the analogy, EMDR reprocessing is destroying old roads mm-hmm. and rebuilding new roads that are going to be a lot more efficient and cost less. I see your face. <laughs> this is how I would conceptualize it. Mm is that when we're in there doing EMDR, um, we are rerouting the way that things flow through the nervous system and providing new internalized templates for their system to utilize. Now, depending on, on the case, I think that there are some situations where the old way just entirely disappears through the process. There's also a lot of situations where that old way is still 
in the nervous system and still has the potential to be activated, Mm -hmm. but it's no longer just the default way. Mm -hmm. I have a different option and I am just as likely, if not more likely to utilize that new pathway as I am to go back to the old. Um, And so EMDR reprocessing, when it's done correctly and when it's effective, that is what we're doing from a neurobiological perspective is rerouting things in there. And I'll I'll just say experientially, what that looks like is they now have new information about the past experience Mm -hmm. and about themselves in relationship to it. So as you reprocess that, just speaking to what I see happen in the session is they see it differently. Mm. They have new information that they're bringing into that experience that shifts then how you know how their system holds on to that and what mm-hmm. shows up when that gets activated mm-hmm. so those same memory networks are called upon later but they're they have new information integrated into them yeah, yeah. i would agree with that the so bridger what was your face about <laughs> my face is about the difference between self-regulation and co-regulation mm. um when we're talking about trait change the neurobiologically the system will not integrate a new way of being interpersonally if it it is not um, safe to do so. Mm-hmm. So in the series of state changes that you're working on and then in the reprocessing of going back to uh, an inviting change in the trait, mm-hmm. that must be interpersonally experienced and felt in the system for integration to become possible. The system will not integrate a new way of being interpersonally if it is not safe to do so. So to me, Jen, when you talked about what you see in session, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a result of the reprocessing alone. I think that's a result of the therapeutic alliance in the process of reprocessing. Yes, but I have a big but to that. <laughs> so I think that there is a version of co-regulation that is experienced in EMDR, which is actually them referencing previous co-regulatory experiences that mm-hmm. we create a link to. Sure. If they have them, absolutely. If they have them. Well, yeah. that's part yes. of what they're resourcing yes. is, is yeah. calling upon those yes. and being able to utilize them in the yes. reprocessing. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, yeah. though, that is it is the pairing of the internalized resources, if they have them, that creates an opportunity for trait change to emerge. Which is why in those early phases, we mm-hmm. spend so much time making sure that there is an appropriate amount of internalized resource yes so that later on the nervous system has somewhere to which go is with why that. i brought it up because you asked the question how do we produce trait change right and the answer is there has to be enough internal templating yes. for that internalized co-regulation to actually appear and be available whenever we're accessing that new material yes and if there's not then that's the focus of therapy yes i mean if they don't have those resources there, we are creating them. And even within our relationship, yeah. that that is absolutely a, a template that we mm-hmm. want to be installing yeah. as a resource that they draw on on that. And to be making explicit in that space that there are systems that cannot receive co-regulation because of trauma in the past. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we don't bring explicit attention to that, shame and fear become dominant in the intersubjective mm-hmm. space, and that makes the experienced affect worse. And so right there is where I would say, at least for me, one of the most effective pairings for creating trait change mm-hmm. is the pairing of ego state and yes. EMDR yes. Yes. within, yes, within yep. the context of a, a available co-regulation between me and the client. Yes. Yep. All three things come together and in the, the overlap of those three things, we get tremendous neurobiological shift That's right. that has staying power that any of the three by themselves just don't seem to have. 
Mm-hmm. So to back up, Richard, what you're saying with um, if they don't have that internalized resource and they don't have, because of their trauma, the ability to receive that. Yeah, through the therapeutic alliance. What that looks like in a session for you therapists is I'm offering the template of nurturing figure and my client totally spirals yeah. when I try to introduce that yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, even even speaking of a protective figure mm-hmm. and you need to see them de- decompensate mm-hmm. or become very activated. Yeah. That's what Bridger is referring to is we're trying to install and introduce a template for them. But because of their past experiences, it feels they cannot accept the yeah. co-regulation. Of and that. I would broaden that um, to say yes and nurturing figure protective figure any of the resources and just mm-hmm. safety in general yeah. even neutrality yeah. in general yes. to a dysregulated system that has experienced great interpersonal trauma any invitation to another way of being other than what is currently being expressed in the nervous system is going to be activating activating yes. which is those clients where you i mean that's why we changed the name of calm safe place don't even use the word safe. Yeah. Like or even calm. Yeah. Like our neutral we're trying place. to find mm-hmm. the least activating language, but mm-hmm. that's because their system has experienced trauma around those concepts and yeah. it's unsafe right. to receive that. Which means then it has to be created relationally with us. Like mm-hmm. we have to give them a new experience of what is safe. Which can take a long time. And we have to work with the the different conflicting feelings that they have mm-hmm. about being in a co-regulated relationship with us which once again is why ego state ends mm-hmm. up being such a, a helpful mechanism in that space because you know in that example we're trying to install a nurturer or protector or maybe we're just working on them being able to receive our nurture mm-hmm. in that yes. space and we're getting a big activation in their nervous system in response to that and ego state comes in and says okay can we connect with a part of you that craves this nurture so much that desires it more than you've ever wanted anything. And then we're going to connect with that part of you that thinks that this is the worst idea Mm -hmm. ever, that it's so dangerous, not even worth it. Stop trying. What are you doing? Slam the doors shut. And you have these conflicting parts of you and it creates this intense push-pull feeling in your body. Mm. And how do we work with both of those, right? And so ego state comes along to elucidate and articulate the complexity of trying to create these new templates in a nervous system. And, you know, I say all the time, and I, you know, the whole ego state series, we use the language of ego state as a personification of what's happening in the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And when we're trying to do trait change, we are directly trying to rewire the nervous system and we have got to put some handles on it somehow. Mm -hmm. Language. Yes. And so for me, um, the, the beauty of what ego state does is that it gives articulation and language without making it a cognitive left hemisphere experience. Mm -hmm. The danger of articulating what's happening is that we can bring our clients into this very cognitive space, which leaves no room for real somatic integration of the Mm -hmm. experience. What ego state does is it gives articulation through symbolism and through relational understanding rather than cognitive understanding. When I'm seeing the little five-year-old version of me and imagining her in interaction with my therapist or with my adult self, yeah, there's language to it, but it's more like watching a movie, which evokes mm-hmm. affect, which allows emotional sensation to be running through the body. I'm not just telling a cognitive story. And so in that space, we get that full integration of the story of the state of the trait all together at once. And that's when we get the big shift. Story mm-hmm. of the state of the trait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sorry, checking time. Mm-hmm. Do you, what's... Yeah, I, well, I, I just wanted to... 
speak on that idea of state change turning into trade change, mm-hmm. okay. even through like a resourcing. Approach. Did you have ego state on there? Mm-hmm. And is that what you wanted to cover in it? Like mm-hmm. what we just talked about? Because I have yeah. another. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you can add whatever you okay. want as well. <laughs> okay. You You're allowed to speak. <laughs> well, because I think there's just such a natural, um, to me in my experience with my clients, a, you know, if we want to use the story state uh, versus trait change mm-hmm. to organize our interpretation of a session, even in ego state language, there are there are emotional parts that come forward mm-hmm. that are trait specific. They mm-hmm. have lots to say about who I am as a person, yes. and they're invading on that uh, A and P, the apparently normal part, and saying, "No, this is who I am." Mm-hmm. There are then also state or story state dependent parts that are pure affect that Mm -hmm. overwhelm a person's ability to articulate with left hemispheric language what is happening in the body. And that to me speaks to the to the invasion of an EP on an A&P. And in that, to me, the integration really looks like bringing explicit language to the various parts that come forward while holding the affect state in the body. That's what I mean. So in pairing that together, we not only, because I have plenty of clients high on dissociation that will give me a left articulation of an EP. Absolutely. They will describe it. They may even be able to impersonate it, mm-hmm. but they are not embodying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because the embodiment of it feels af- dangerous. Yes, yes. of course. Yes. It's the yeah. EP invading in yeah. the space that says, I'm going to come in here. But true integration yeah. is when I can feel the affect state, even feel the danger of it, but then experience the the experience of it in the safety of this space and have a disconfirming experience around, oh, I felt it. It was present and it didn't kill me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't destroy me or it didn't destroy my relationship. Yeah. When I allowed the anger to actually be present in my body in the presence of another human, that human saw the anger, felt the intensity with me, and they stayed. Yeah. And that is internalized co regulation. Yes. And I think there's such power in intrapersonal co regulation. Mm-hmm with parts of self yes. mm-hmm. that then in that space of where I'm working on becoming co-regulated with myself in my parts mm-hmm. while in the relationship with a therapist. Right. So there is intrapersonal co-regulation happening inside of interpersonal right. mm-hmm. co-regulation. And that is when to me, we've got it. Trait mm-hmm. change. We're there. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, so that is how you produce trait change. Yes. And, and that's Long what I mean. Short. Yeah. That's what I mean by the overlap of we're, we're doing the EMDR reprocessing. We bring in ego state to help us work more directly with the nervous system, but it's all within that container of the safety of our co-regulated relationship with, with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when those three converge, that's when we really see the kind of trait change that we're all desiring. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, these, this is talking about individuals who don't have the internal template for co-regulation those more highly traumatized this is why when we're working with someone who has serious trauma it feels like we're just hitting wall after wall after wall it's a combination of this approach it's not just emdr bilateral Mm. it's not just you know follow my fingers left right and this is going to go away right right? Right. it is it is the combination of all this now that can work for someone who has a really well integrated mm-hmm. internal system of co-regulation, a lot of resources, we can take a single incident trauma or even a, a short memory. Because they, they already have two of the pieces. Yes. They already have the internalized co-regulation and they already have an integrated sense of self. Mm. And then we apply the reprocessing piece yes. through bilateral and, Beautiful you know, the rest happen. is history. Yeah. And that is, I mean, we say in, uh, in EMDR, we talk a lot about 
um, that experience of reprocessing a, a single incident, single incident. trauma, yes. right? mm-hmm. single or or a short memory network. Right. It could be a few instances that come to that. That is still trait change, yes. but it's looking a lot different than someone who has the disintegration from early, early on in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. So good. That That's how you like, produce trait change. Yeah, that feels like a good conclusion. How does that feel to you guys? It Absolutely. still feels brief, but I like it. <laughs> There's always more to say. Yes. You know? And we always will say more. That's just right. Just on a later episode. A later episode and a later training. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of a later training, Bridger, yeah. can you share with us about our trauma-informed care training? Mm-hmm. I can. This is one of our most uh, widely available trainings mm-hmm. just to who we want to see come uh, learn together in this way of what is nervous system informed trauma informed care and the training is called trauma informed care mm-hmm. and it's a training that we wrote for anybody with a nervous system uh do you have a nervous system Anyone. you should yeah. come it's relevant yeah. only it's a few relevant. people are excluded really. right right exactly uh i don't know yeah. all, joke. all the jokes that i just thought of were inappropriate so oh, keep going okay we'll just keep going okay so the dates of this training and it is being offered virtually Mm -hmm. um is june 3rd through the 5th Mm -hmm. and there are for those that do need uh ce credit there are 21 ce hours available um for that and we would love to see uh anyone and everyone come to this some of the people that have benefited from it before are uh first responders Mm -hmm. those that work with inpatient um especially anybody who works with children um doctors um, educators yeah absolutely and so um yeah also um you know one of the populations that i think this training is really really helpful for is anybody that is like tangential to the therapeutic work meaning clerical staff administrators Administrators, um, caseworkers so they they you know are people that are interacting with clients and having an awareness of what it means to be interacting with someone that has trauma that has a nervous system etc and be in that vulnerable healing space with them in any capacity this training is really really relevant and supportive to understand how to um, support the work as a whole yeah And even if you are a loved one or know a loved one Mm -hmm. who is, you know, in in contact or in care of someone who's been traumatized. So I think Mm -hmm. immediately foster parents or kids who've gone through trauma, like send the message out about this training. It is, you know, very focused on uh, neurobiology and nervous system and there's a lot to it, but it's, it's approachable package in Mm -hmm. in a very approachable way in a relatable way that can just take your understanding of how trauma is affecting a person that you care about or you're involved with and say this is how i can interact with them in a supportive way Mm -hmm. with that Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. we've got you know several people already signed up for the training and i was you know thinking about the different disciplines that are represented there and we have educators we have massage therapists we have yeah it'll be a really really interesting conversation um just you know getting all of the different perspectives so we're excited so join us for that training you can find that information on our website yes at beyondhealingcenter.com under the trainings tab and you're looking for the trauma-informed care training which is happening in early june virtually that's right come and join us thanks Thanks, guys guys. Mm -hmm. thanks for listening to notice that an emdr podcast We hope something you've heard today will help you help your clients. Find our latest episode and more on our Facebook page or on our website, emdr-podcast.com. 
And don't forget to add us to your RSS feed or follow us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher so that you don't miss an episode. Please email questions and comments to noticethat at emdr-podcast.com. From all of us here at Notice That, see you next time. Thank you.